The following program contains names, places, and events that have been anonymized or fictionalized for the purposes of protection and safety. The following program is provided for entertainment purposes only, and any commentary from the hosts are strictly conjecture and should not be held as making any definitive statements about the truth or identity of any particular individuals or circumstances. If you or a loved one are involved in an abusive relationship, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 for support. Hello again, Hannah. <laughs> We're back. Everybody's probably been waiting. I know. I've, you know what? Like, this is the first time where people actually, I think, were not super angry with us. Like, they were every, you guys, we appreciate you being so patient. Well, it's fun because we haven't done a two part episode in a while, and I feel like our audience has grown. So grateful and exciting. But we have Patreon well, we don't now. We try so- to do them, but. Right. And, but it just felt like so many more of you had theories and all over the place on Patreon, on DMs, on comments. Everybody had ideas and everyone was talking about it with each other, which made my heart happy. But I did promise a t shirt if somebody guessed the ending and people had good theories. People had some partially correct theories, but I didn't see anyone get the yeah goal. partially correct. That's what I exactly. Yeah. So I'm excited for you all to hear the rest of this story. It's bonkers, and she's been through it. If you have not listened to part one, you definitely have to go back and listen to that. But here's a quick recap update to refresh your memory. So we are talking to Lauren. Lauren married her college sweetheart. They were very young. They met at a religious university. And since they've gotten married, he has had multiple unrelated medical crises that she has had to help him through. His family's pretty MIA when it comes to the medical stuff. So that's that. And then she's also found a box of debt in the back of his closet. And he was like, Oh, yeah, that. He didn't deny it. He just was like, oops. So they're working on that. They've moved in with her parents to save money and get help with his medical problems. And where we left off is that her family doctor is seeing him and has suggested that this might be psychological and that maybe he should seek psychological help. And we were like, what? What happens next? And so we're all of you, and now we get to find out. I will say, stay to the end of the episode because there are some medical things that come up, and we talked to an expert and got some expert information that we're going to go through at the end of the episode. If you're interested in that, you'll get a little breakdown. I can't wait to hear like the theories that came out. Like, I want to hear what those people have to say. <laughs> like, okay, I think we should get into it. Let's do it. Yeah, please, how please. lucky are we that she's telling us the story? Let's let's give it back to her. Part two, baby. Throughout all of this, we kept going back to that primary care physician. And he made a comment that really caught me and David off guard. He was like, hey, so I think that's great that we're finding all these answers. But I really think that David needs to go and see a psychiatrist. (gasps) Why? That all of these medical things that he's had, even just like that year, don't line up. That he thinks there's something else going on. 
<gasps> and oh yeah, I kind of forgot that mean? this was all in the course of a year. So he's had three separate serious health scares in one year. Yes. He thought it was really odd for a 21, 22-year-old young man to be having all of these issues and to have them so in such short succession. He was basically like, hey, I think you need to go and see a psychiatrist. My brain is going so fast right now. <laughs> I know. Keep going. Keep there going. are so many the things. theories are flying. Yes. So immediately, as soon as David heard that, he got really defensive. And he's like, I'm not crazy. This isn't like, that's really offensive. And I went into protective wife mode. And I was like, why would you say that? And so yeah. we just, we discarded it immediately. And we're just like, obviously, this is not psychological. And we thought, thanks, but no thanks for that. And you witnessed it. So you were like, I've seen that. Like, this right. is something that this is real. Like, it's not in his head. Exactly. So David ended up needing surgery to address the mastoiditis stuff. Surgery? And it was mostly to fix, like, the sinuses and the deviated septum. Okay. They were saying, basically, if we rotor-rooter all of your sinuses, then it will drain properly, and then it will cure the mastoiditis as a secondary. Okay. So so he had that procedure. I was working full-time. But and just, he still does not have insurance? And we were able to get him on some basic, like, state, like, federal insurance. Okay. Thank heavens. That was, At least know, there's something. Yeah. We had, like, really basic care. And so I was working full time. I would come home, check on him on my breaks and things like that. And then I would go back to work. Well, one day my mom pulled me aside and she basically said, hey, I've been doing some research after talking with Dr. So-and-so and I want to bring something to your attention and see what oh, you think. And she said, I've come across this condition called Munchausen syndrome. <gasps> no. And it sounds a lot like what David has going on. And I said, tell me more. And so she started to tell me a little bit more that it can basically be an individual subconsciously manifesting diseases in their body or the symptoms of those diseases. A piece of it, like it did ring true to me. You were like, yeah. But at the same time, I was also very defensive. And I was like, no, he can't possibly have that. That's no. And I shut my mom down. That's absurd. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, that's, it's not common. Crazy. My only, ex I know a lot more, I feel like about Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. Because of that mommy dearest show and the yeah. show. So that's when somebody's making someone else sick. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Or like. Or making either. them think that they're sick. And this is just when you can do it to yourself. Okay. Right. Just quick and science lesson. In some extreme situations, individuals can be like poisoning themselves to make them sick yes. and things like that. Or I've heard of people kind of like, don't they make their wounds worse or they can? That's kind of the gist of it is that it's a psychological condition that is very um, subconsciously rooted. And so it can be really hard to diagnose. It can be really hard to um, even fully wrap your head around what it could mean and how it can manifest. But I immediately shut my mom down and was like, there's no way he can't possibly have that. There's just no way. Yeah. And so I just shut it down. And so once David had healed from his 
nose and sinus surgery, he did find a job and started working. But again, by this point, we are so far in debt. Like we had known each other, just known each other for just barely over a year at this point. This is probably right. beginning and of February. And you're married. You're in debt. <laughs> We're married. got this medical We'd thing. Re- like just with his medical bills, not even the other box of crap, but just his medical bills, there was over $27,000 <gasps> of medical bills oh, that we had already racked God. up. And wow. the spreadsheet was so extensive that I, oh I remember writing, I was writing $5 checks and mailing $5 checks to every provider. Just to send something out. Yes. Just as a good faith oh payment. I was, we had collectors calling. We had, and my parents were trying to help as much, as much as they could here and there. And were your parents like starting oh, to feel man. differently about him because he, kind of brought this yeah I mean, not the medical thing necessarily but the debt that he brought beforehand um i never yeah, told yeah. them about that oh they didn't wow know. really mm-hmm. so they just thought the medical stuff no because i didn't want them i get it you're i i to worry it wasn't their business angry. it was between me and him no i you're right yeah and so it was just the medical and they, they just didn't know how to help like they they would try to like Oh, like man. occasionally when it got really bad, I would actually go to them and be like, hey, we have this collection agency from this medical bill. Like, is there any way you could like lend us some money? And they would give yeah. us, you know, a few thousand here, or a few thousand there. And it just that. Was he OK with you doing that? Did he know? Or did it? he um, know? He knew he didn't like it, but I don't know. But he took it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, well, I, I, he had no choice, <laughs> but yeah. it wasn't like he had an attitude where he was like expecting anything. No. Or, and he didn't ever yeah. tell me like, Hey, you should go ask your parents. Cause they have okay. money. Um, Cause that would make me think that he's doing this just to try to get. Yeah. Money, right. But. Well, that's usually a, a motive, you know? Right. Right. And right. so, but it was just really difficult to try to keep all of that. And so he did find a job and was working full time. And then in March, he decided, you know what, I really do want to start a family sooner than later. We've got to take care of this debt. We've got to get ourselves in a better spot. I think I'm going to file for bankruptcy and just wipe out. Does that take care of the medical bills too? I don't know what the laws are now. At the time, it was an option. Mm -hmm. Like He had talked with a neighbor who was an attorney and was working on what that would look like. And the biggest problem is that his car was co-signed by, they weren't like literally his grandparents, but they were like his acting grandparents. Yeah. yeah. And they had co-signed on the car. And so if he filed bankruptcy, that they would go after the grandparents for Mm. the car. Oh. And we obviously didn't want to do that. And so- we decided to take my car that was paid off and trade it in, pay off all of his negative equity in his car, and then we would get two leases in my name so that it wouldn't be touched by the bankruptcy. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So I went from having no car payment for me and his car payment to having two lease payments in my name. Oh, man. That's a lot. It it was a lot, but I I didn't love the idea, but I did agree to it. I went out like I knew what I was doing, 
and I went along with And you with were gung-ho like in support of your husband at this point, right? Yeah. I just kept thinking, okay, like once he gets healthy, like yeah, then we can start to have like a normal life. We can start to have a normal marriage. We can start to just have any anything normal. Just anything normal would be great. Um, and so we got the two cars and he was working and I was working and things were okay for about a month. They were actually like, we were still having the calls and the bills and everything, but that wasn't going away anytime soon. But his health was good? His health. Or seemingly okay? Yep. He, he was in a really good spot and then he got hurt at work. After a full day of work, there's still so much to do. Like my husband gets home at 6 p.m. and there's still so much going on and my son has swim. And some days it feels like eating a wholesome dinner is next to impossible. But with HelloFresh, you can turn busy weeknights into memorable mealtimes with delicious practical options. And they really, really are delicious. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And let me tell you guys, it is a lifesaver game changer in my house. I do not cook, but this actually makes me like want to be in the kitchen putting together a meal because it's just everything is right there and it's so easy. Skip the grocery store, save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered to your door and designed to save you time like their 15 minute meals. And you guys, I'm telling you, I do not cook. I'm not interested. (laughs) But I love how, first of all, I love how it comes in this nice little package delivered straight to you. And it's it, it saves you time because everything is just right there. You just take it out of the package and it tells you step by step. It's like, explain this to me like I'm five. How do I make this meal? And I just love how it brings my family together in the kitchen. And even my son, who is nine, has fun with it. So Go to HelloFresh.com slash TDD free and use code TDD free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life. Hello at HelloFresh.com slash TDD free with code TDD free. Again, that's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. He had a he had an injury at work, an injury to his knee, to his patella, and he had to undergo pretty invasive surgery on his knee, where they shaved off the front of his shin bone, shifted oh. it over, bolted it back in place, and supposedly that was supposed to help keep his patella where it was supposed to stay. Or it was Ew, it was okay. a pretty intensive surgery, <laughs> sexy, right, sexy. And so he had to have the surgery on his knee. And this was a really intensive surgery. Like he could barely walk. I had to help him get up and down from bed. Go Not to the working, bathroom. I'm sure. Yeah, he was definitely wow. off of work. I had to help him shower, like everything, get dressed. Like he couldn't do anything by himself for That's a lot. Um, probably about a month. And so during work at my wow. at my lunch, I would drive home, I'd get him food, I'd help him get up, go to the bathroom, go get settled back on the recliner with his ice, and I'd go back to work. And You so were like was, literally taking care of him. You're a nurse. Yeah. You're a full-time nurse. Yeah. And so that was about a month, and then he could finally get around on his own pretty easily. And it was right around that time that he was coming up on his birthday, 
And so he decided he wanted to go back home and spend a week with his family. I couldn't leave because I didn't have vacation time at work, but he was still off of work because of his knee. And so he drove up to spend a week with his family. And while he was up there, his youngest brother was, I think, about 12 at the time. And it was like his little mini me, like his little shadow. And that brother really struggled when we got married because he felt like I was taking David away, which is another reason why I felt it was so important to go over on Sundays and like make sure that he still had his brother. Like, I, you know, we're still family. It's okay. I'm not stealing him. And so David had the brilliant idea to bring this brother back home to stay with us for a little bit. And my biggest thing was, I don't have an issue if you want to bring him back, but your mom and stepdad have to figure out how to get him back home because we're not going to drive him back eight hours. We're not going to fly. Like, you got to figure out how to get him back home. That's a lot of driving. It is. It is. And so you're still at your parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Yeah, that's a lot. You're busy. We're still at my parents. And so they say, fine, we'll agree to that. And so he brings the brother back home. And I think he's going to be there for like a week, maybe two, because we're in summer now. So he doesn't have school. And then it gets to be like three weeks. And the brother's still there. And it wouldn't be that bad, except for this brother really doesn't like me that much. Right. And so he would do these little passive aggressive things to try to just show me that I was not welcome. Like oh, little stupid things. Like, I mean, and he's a 12 year old boy, right? So, like, yeah. you know. <gasps> yeah, you can let it roll off your Take back it with a grain of salt. Like, yeah. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I'm the adult in this situation. Like, he's a kid. <laughs> like, and, but there was this one day that we were all walking out to the backyard. And David was first, and then his brother, and then me. And the brother grabbed the door behind him and slammed it in my face. Ew, rude. Because he didn't he didn't want me no, to go no. out. And I was like, okay. And I would have snatched that kid up. Mm-mm, yeah. No, and I was like, you know, I, I was raised in the South. So I was like, mm, no, sir, you did not. Like, <laughs> no, no. We don't tolerate Mm-mm. that disrespect. No. And so I talked to David, and I was like, hey, I think it's time for brother to go home. He's becoming increasingly comfortable with showing me disrespect and I'm struggling mm-hmm. with it and I need you to have my back and talk to your brother. Oh, that was a master class in communication right there. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And well, well said. it didn't work. So <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Thank you, Anna. I wish he would have seen it the same way. He oh, actually I'm got so really sorry. defensive <laughs> and was like there's no way he didn't do that. He didn't know he wouldn't, and he didn't believe me, and he didn't defend me, and oh, he took his I brother's hate side. That. It makes me so mad. Oh, and, that's so hard. And it was you at have that to point. be on a team with your partner, even yeah, with your family. Like, I think that's so important. Yeah, and so it was at that point that I realized it's time for brother to for real go home. Like, you need to call your mom, yeah. and we got to get him on a bus or something. And I mean, heck, I don't care. Put him on a carrier pigeon, but he needs to go home. (laughs) And his mom and stepdad refused and they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't pay. And so eventually David was like, I just need to drive him back home. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's exactly what I said. I didn't want to happen. 
And they said Mm. they just wouldn't pay. And so if I wanted that kid to go home, then we were going to have to drive him back. And so David got in the car, drove brother back eight hours north, decided to stay for another week. And I said, well, at least get your parents to pay for the gas. Like, of course if, they don't. Something. If they're not, yeah, if they're not going to pay to fly him back or whatever variation of shipping him back, at least, <laughs> at least pay for the gas. And that turned into a really huge fight where David accused me of only caring about money and finances and I don't care oh, about God. people. Stop. After your family yeah. has done yeah. so much for him financially Whatever. and otherwise, yeah. that's very frustrating. That was probably one of our biggest blowout fights. And oh, I would have been so mad. And that was like probably the day before he came home. So he came home and he was off. Like you could tell he was still mad at me, which I was still mad at him. <laughs> like but, <rightfully> so. <laughs> but he but he was like because typically he blows off his steam and then he's fine. I'm the one that sits in the stew pot for a while. But he was still off when he got back. And which was hard because that week we were supposed to house sit for a neighbor. And so him and I were staying at a neighbor's house at night. And here we're like real salty and icy kind of with each other. And Mm -hmm. I basically just told him, I was like, hey, I know you're not a big talker, but we do need to talk about this. So when you're ready, you let me know. And so by this time, we're the first week of July. And we're leading up to the 4th of July holiday. So there's a lot of fun things coming up this weekend. I wanted to have our issues resolved before we got to the holiday festivities. But he just wasn't ready to talk to me. And so we're kind of just going through the motions. On July 3rd, he had a doctor's appointment with that same doctor that he'd been going to this whole time that my family's known for years. The doctor that said, you need to go talk to a psychiatrist. Um, So he was going in for a final inspection on his knee after the surgery to basically say, you're cleared to go back to work or you're not cleared to go back to work. And so he met with this doctor I wasn't able to go to the appointment because I had to work, but my mom went. Like, that's how tight he and my mom were. My mom went to the doctor's appointment with him. And in that appointment, the doctor gave him an all clear. And then he was like, well, are you sure? I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk re-injury. Can, you know, do we need to give it another week or two? And the doctor was like, no, absolutely not. You're fine. Your knee is fine. If you're not willing to go talk to a psychiatrist and admit there may be something else going on, then you need to just be a normal functioning human being and husband and supportive spouse. You need to go back to work. You need to start contributing to your family. You need to stop being a burden to this marriage and start carrying some of the weight of this marriage and take some of the weight off of Lauren's shoulders. Okay, this doctor really came in swinging. I wanted to hug that doctor and say, Thank you. Yeah. Like, I need my husband to be present and we need to figure this out. And if he really is okay, then great. He needs to be okay. Yeah. And like, he ne- he had to have known that, like, now he's been had. Like, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. Then the night of July 3rd, so going into the 4th, we're at this neighbor's house, staying at their house. And I have this terrible nightmare that he's like, All right, Lauren, let's sit down and let's talk. And he proceeds to tell me that he's not happy, that he feels like he needs to go back home, and that he 
is leaving, that he's just leaving. And I wake up, I'm in a cold sweat. I reach over and he's still there. And I think, oh, thank goodness. He's still here. He's still here. And it was like this horrible nightmare. And we wake up, it's the 4th of July. We're, you know, I'm excited for the festivities. He's still a little icy towards me, but it is what it is. It's a holiday. We don't have to work. I'm hoping it's going to be a good day. That afternoon, we are in our room at my parents' house, and he he says, all right, Lauren, I need you to sit down. I need to talk to you. <gasps> so you... No. Shut up. This is Final You're Destination. Shut up. And so I sit down, and he proceeds to tell me, I'm just not really very happy. I think I need to move back what? home. And he proceeds to word for word tell me exactly what I dreamed that he was leaving. <gasps> That is crazy. I mean, I understand yeah. that you were feeling like anticipatory. Is that the word? What? You're anticipating that something like this could happen, but to the timing of that is where the world so is So confused. Yeah. Okay, and but then, so, oh my God, is he, wa- and does I'm he just say he shock. wants a divorce? No. So, yeah, I'm in shock too. So then what happens? Not a divorce. What no, he doesn't want a Wait. divorce. He just wants to go back and try to find himself and figure out what he wants. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't think we want the same things anymore, but he just needs to figure out himself and take some time. And I was just so in shock that I didn't see it for him just leaving me. Do you ever wish your friends were as into true crime as you are? Yes, Def- I think I'm psycho. <laughs> I know. They don't understand. (laughs) Well, we want to tell you about a podcast called True Crime Society. Stephanie and Olivia from the popular True Crime Society social media accounts are ready to tap in as your true crime besties, and they can guide you through the latest cases, taking the internet by storm. Listen in as they break down timelines and go over the most popular and sometimes ridiculous case theories. You guys know I love ridiculous. Oh, yeah. No, we're big fans. I mean, the True Crime Society podcast covers everything true crime. From missing people and cold cases to the latest breaking news, there's so much. Hosts Olivia and Stephanie bonded over their interest in true crime and created an online community of over 200,000 crime enthusiasts, just like us, who demanded a podcast. And if you like that our podcast brings two different perspectives, because I'm in LA, Mackenzie's in Florida, we're in different stages of our dating life, they do the same thing. Olivia's based in Sydney, And Stephanie is in New York, which offers unique global perspectives and fabulous accents. I mean, come on. So listeners (laughs) say that the podcast reminds them of chatting with their friends about whatever the latest case is, which you guys know we love that. Episodes are well-researched with just the right amount of banter and never feel too heavy. We like to call it true crime light. New episodes release every Thursday and are available on your favorite podcast app right now. Be sure to search for and subscribe to the True Crime Society podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever your favorite podcast app is. This was all right before we were supposed to go to my aunt's house for a huge barbecue and fireworks and the whole shebang for the 4th of July. So we get ready to go. We're still going to go because I'm in that level of shock that I'm like, well, they're expecting us to show up. So that's what you do. You put your head down and you. So that's what we do. You get the crap done. And so we show up and we're holding hands and we're all lovey-dovey in front of my family. 
And then mm-hmm. after fireworks, we leave and go back to my parents' house. And we're getting ready to pack stuff up to go to the neighbor's house to still go and watch the neighbor's house and their dogs. And 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 he's planning to leave in the morning. And I told him, you need to say bye to my parents. And he yeah. he's like, no, no. And I was like, no, 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 no. They have let us live here. They have supported us. Like you, like they love you, especially my mom. Yeah. Like my mom treated him like a son. Like you, it's the least you could oh, do. Yes, at least say goodbye. So that night, my parents finally got home pretty late, and we go downstairs. They're in the kitchen, and I say, "Mom, Dad, David's got something that he needs to share." And so David proceeds to um, share that he just feels like he needs to take some time and move back with his family. And my mom is very level-headed and is very, let's talk about it. Like, walk us through. What are you feeling? What's leading to this? Like, very calm. Oh, bless her. Just very calm. Like, let's just talk about it. Like, maybe let's see if we can find a counselor that we can get you guys in with or you know, let's just see. And she's got him about to the point where he's like agreeing to stay and like talk to someone about this. And then all of a sudden in the background, there is my dad, who is basically the embodiment of the anger character from Inside Out. (laughs) And And protective, I'm sure. And like, how dare you do this to us? So, and I am, I am daddy's little girl, 1000%. And he (laughs) sees like, no, you don't do this. He sees or my family. Yes. He sees right through what David's doing. Does he call him out? He does. And he calls him out and he's like, you coward. I can't believe you're doing this. (gasps) And just goes off. And David immediately retreats. Like he turns around and he books it upstairs to our bedroom. Like he runs away. And he, (laughs) oh my God, he literally (laughs) runs away from your dad. He's a runner. Okay. Yes. He runs and he hides in our bedroom. And so I go to follow him and right behind us is my mom and dad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just let it be. And my dad is like raging. You know, he's only seeing red. I don't know what my dad would have done, but I fortunately between my mom and I, we got him to calm down and like just leave. And then once my dad was out, David literally ran away. Like he ran out the front door and we lived near some government land, some like Bureau of Land Management land. It's a mountainous area. Mm-hmm. And he literally just like runs up the mountain in the middle oh, of the night. What? Oh my God. Yes. Wow. Get out he just of here. Dramatic. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> he just like runs up the mountain. Cinematic moment. Yes. Yeah. And and we can't find him. And so we end up <gasps> going to and this is all just so crazy. Um we end up going to our church leader's house because he works for the Bureau of Land Management. He lives up on the mountain. He knows the mountains really well. And we just need help. We're like, we don't know what to do. We don't know who to go to. We need help finding David. He's in the mountains. What do we do? We lost a and boy so our, on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> we lost a- yeah, we need to call it's it. It's not funny, but also what? It's not Search and rescue. I mean, um, were you worried about his like mental health? Yeah, like, like what was are going we through your head in terms point? of like what's the worst case scenario? Are you we worried about him run like obviously the breakup or is it kind of like he's going through some things? 
I don't even totally know what I was the most worried about with him besides <gasps> just finding him. Cause it's not like he knew that area. Like, right. He, like he and I aren't hikers. Like I like to look at mountains, but I don't like to traipse around them. He and them. Girl, um, same. Don't ask me to go on a hike. And so I don't know the area. And so our church leader takes his dog and a flashlight and goes hiking up this mountain to find David in the middle of the night. Oh, my god! It's gosh. a dark and windy night. You were right. <laughs> it's a dark and windy night again. A dark and windy this night. This is so yes. bizarre. Okay, so he's And so he's so up in the mountains. Chatting. Our church leader finds him. <laughs> he's, Where was he's, he? He was – up in the mountains somewhere. I don't even know, but the church leader he was finding himself. Him. He, what do you mean? Just all willy nilly, just in the mountains? Yeah, he just was up there sitting and crying and having a breakdown. And mm-hmm. um, our church leader found him and just sat with him and talked with him and kind of calmed him down and just asked if he'd be willing to, you know, stay and talk and let's work through things. Let's get some help. And David at that point was done. Like he was like, I just need to get out of here. I can't live in the same house as Lauren's dad. And which, I mean, after how mad my dad got, like I kind of, (laughs) after he violently threatened him, I guess. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, he, I can understand why he might not want to be around my dad. And so we ended up being able to talk him into going to the neighbor's house that we were house sitting for, And we talked for a while, and he still was going to leave. And so the next morning, on July 5th, David wakes up. He packs up his suitcase full of stuff, and he gets in the car and drives home to where his mom lives. Your car? Your leased car? Mm -hmm. I was about to say, your leased car? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at this point, I I was still thinking we had a chance. Like, Mm -hmm. I was still thinking— You thought this was just a— break yes. to go home. He just needs some time. He needs to figure out some stuff and we're going to work through it. Like it's going to be fine. We're going to work through it. And so I'm meeting with my church leader. I'm meeting with mental health professionals and they're all like, Lauren, this, this isn't going to last. It's over. You need to accept that this is over. And I was like, no, it's not like we can totally come out. Like we can make it through this. We can totally make it. We just need to give him some time and like, I'll move up there. What do I need to do to make it work? And they were just like, well, okay. And he wouldn't let me come visit him. I kept telling him, like, you give me the word and I will be there in eight hours. Like, I will come. I will quit my job. I will pack up our crap. I Whatever. You tell me and I will be there because we got to work through this. And then finally, one day we were on the phone and we were having a bit of an argument. And he said, you know what, Lauren? I'm done. I am done. And I said, don't say that unless you mean it. And he was like, no, I, I mean it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to hang up because I don't think you really mean it. And so I hung up and my mom was right there and she's like, what just happened? And so I told her and he, she was like, you call him back and you make sure. You call him back. And so I called him back and I said, hey, did you really mean it? Are you done? Are you for real done? And he said, yeah, I'm for real done. And I did said, you have okay. a reason? What was the re- what did, did he say? Like why? Like I don't get it. He never to this day. He has never given me a reason why he left. Really? He's never given me a reason why he left. Besides that, he's unhappy and he needs to find himself, and he doesn't think we want the same things. And so it was at that point that I finally well, went yeah, and talked to a lawyer. Debt. No. 
Yeah. So I finally went and talked to a lawyer and the lawyer said, you know, is there anything that would qualify you for annulment instead of divorce? Because with annulment, you don't take any of his debt. Right. And I- Oh, the debt. Oh, the debt. Okay. So what happened? What happened? All the debt. Yeah. All of his debt. I just take like the car debt that everything else would be him. And- and I was like, no, I don't, like, there's nothing. And then the next day, the brother that's just younger than him. Oh, he don't spill the beans. What is it? What is it? Yes. Yeah. And that brother called and said, hey, we think you deserve to know the truth. <gasps> What's the truth? Oh, my God. No. What is it? <laughs> yes. To be continued. No. no. <laughs> Don't you don't do this, this <laughs> Molly, make her stay. <laughs> Panicked. And so he proceeded to tell me that David had Munchausen syndrome. Uh-huh. <gasps> they knew? And that they never told me because they felt that the Munchausen syndrome would create these situations when he was feeling really stressed or like he wasn't loved or these different types of situations. And he's been doing it his whole life. And I had no idea. He, I'd asked him in the past if he'd always been sick. And he said, no, I had tubes put in my ears when I was like four or five. And then I broke my arm when I was like 20. And other than that, I've never been sick or hospitalized. Lie. Is so he right. lied. So yeah, he lied about that. And his family Does didn't ever what? correct it. Yeah. I have so, so many he, thoughts. So they knew that he had Munchausen syndrome. That is what his family told me. And wow. that they thought that because of how much I loved him and how much constant attention I gave to oh, him yeah. and how supportive mm-hmm. I was of him that it would maybe fix oh. it. Okay. Well, let me just play out a thought. <laughs> From the limited knowledge that I have of Munchausen's, I feel like part of it is wanting to be in the role of needing care. So the opposite feels true for me, that you being such a caretaker to me would amplify I just feel like I've heard that Munchausen is like part of it is that you psychologically want to play the sick role and and adopt that identity of like needing support and getting acceptance and needing and like you gave him all of that. I'm just it's interesting that they thought that him not being stressed would solve it when I think that the opposite. I'm so confused. And so that's that was enough. And he was aware that that was a thing. Like that's part of why he freaked out so much when our primary care physician right off the bat was like, Hey, actually we think this is more psychological. And that's why he freaked out so much is because we were that close. Oh yeah. He was like running away from your diagnosis. So, but that doesn't answer my question though. Like, wait, I got to Google Munchausen's because if Munchausen's is something that where they're not aware, like this guy totally dogfished you, but did he know it? Did he know did he, he was know he was lying? I think he's a good person, generally speaking. I think this he is just sad. 
yeah, like I think he just has a lot of psychological stuff. I think for him, he's very far into denial. And I don't think he thought he was lying. He was lying, but I don't think it was intentional. I think it was self-preservation. I think it was denial. I think it was Mm -hmm. him wanting to be loved and accepted. and, And I don't think he went into it trying to deceive me about this. So what happened after that, Lauren? Like what like what happened after they Yeah, what like, do you say of, on that call yeah, too? Yeah. I I everything just snapped into place. Like it all just made so much sense at that point. I mean, obviously I was shocked and surprised, but it was very clarifying. And I thanked him for calling and telling me. And so I called my lawyer and that did qualify us for annulment. Um <gasps> did it really? It wow. did because if I had oh. known about this type of um, psychological condition, I may not have married him. If I had known this was oh. going to be a lifelong thing, it's like someone withholding right. an addiction. It's like someone withholding anything like that. Like it's it is something mm-hmm. that will affect you for the rest of your life and therefore affect your spouse. That is wow. good to know. I imagine you were heartbroken. Were you ever, like, was there a point where you were like, I don't want to break up with this guy, but this is also freaking weird. Like, I can't just do this my whole life. Um, like, what by, was your thought process? So by that point, my whole world had shattered. Yeah. My biggest fear up until that point was marrying the wrong person. And so to have this level of betrayal and abandonment, like, it was, it rocked my whole world. I was not. Okay, for a long time. I was grateful that we did qualify for annulment because then I didn't have all of the financial everything on top of the emotional everything. I I mean, I now had two cars in my name that I had to deal with. So my parents helped me with that. They bought out one of the leases so that I could sell the car and make what I can from that and then give it back to them. And then what kind of came up at that same time was my parents had helped a lot with medical bills and collections and things like that. And it had, when all was said and done, when we were doing the annulment paperwork, we had to add it all up. And it ended up being around fifteen dollars to $18,000 that my parents had Ooh. given, to, him. Had given right. to us. And my lawyer had suggested that we put that into the annulment paperwork that he needed to pay my parents back. Yeah. Um, because it was all for his stuff that was going with him in the annulment that I would have never asked for that money or anything if it hadn't had been for right. him. Been for his medical. Right. Yeah. For his situation that had we known, I may not have even married him in the first place. We were talking about putting this into the annulment paperwork But just to kind of demonstrate how close he and my mom were, he ended up calling my mom and having a side conversation, kind of like mother to son style, and basically just promised her that he would pay her back and just asked her not to put it, not to have me put it in the paperwork. And so it was because of that, that we didn't put that money in the annulment paperwork. And the (laughs) other really crazy thing about the money and not putting it in the annulment paperwork is that this is also when I found out 
the truth about my wedding ring. <gasps> oh, we're circling I back. I forgot What's the about truth? the wedding ring. I did too. I was like, okay, that's just an interesting part of this. Okay, tell us about the yes. ring. <gasps> so the truth about the wedding ring is that the night before the wedding, we're at the hotel and my mom made a comment about the ring and he said he didn't have it. And my mom's like, what do you mean you don't have the ring? And he said that the jeweler refused to deliver it. And my mom, being the good Southern lady that she is, was like, well, gracious, no, that's just not going to fly. My daughter's not going to have a wedding ring on her wedding day. She needs a ring. She said, gracious, no. (laughs) Like, that's just not going to work out. And so my mom said, you get that jeweler on the phone and we're going to have a little chit chat. And so the jeweler gets on the phone and proceeds to say that they have the ring, they're happy to deliver it, but that David has not paid a penny on it since the $50 down (gasps) payment when I was with him. What? And so he's like, so excuse me, ma'am, but I am not about to drive a several thousand dollar ring to someone who has not even made a single good faith payment. So... Thank Uh, you, but no, thank you. So did your mom have to end up paying for the ring? So my mom gave him a credit card number over the phone and paid for the ring in full that night. And that is how we got the ring. Oh, She never, I'm sure, saw that paid back to her. Oh, no. He has not paid either of my parents a penny. To this day? To this day. So the annulment goes through. No financials are included in the annulment. And we kind of both go our own separate ways because we didn't have kids. There really wasn't anything keeping us tied. Mm -mm. And that is where we now jump to 2019. And I'm just scrolling the book of faces. And a mutual friend from college posts a GoFundMe. And it's a picture of David. And I was like, what? Of course I'm going to click on this. And so I open it up and it's David and side note, he did end up getting remarried and had two kids with another gal. And so it's this GoFundMe and it's all of this medical stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, man, I dodged a bullet. And then so Mm -hmm. I go digging for more like, what else is going on with them? As like, you should, armchair sleuth. It, yes, it opens Pandora's box of, I haven't thought about this person for years, and now I'm going to go and learn everything I can about them. And yeah. that is when I, I found another video, like a live interview type thing, with people from the community where he lived, and he was basically just talking about um, some of their experiences. And this was... Stay with me for a minute. This was leading up to... I'm with you, girl. I'm with you. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> this was leading up to Pride Week in the community, and he was interviewing them about their experiences, and then he brings on another guest at the very end, and he says, this is the most important guest to me. I would like to introduce you to my husband. <gasps> what? Uh, yes. Uh, that took a turn. Okay. That took a turn? That, yes. This, like, <laughs> meanwhile, in another story... <laughs> You, your face, I bet. You were like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. What? So he, turns out he had left the second wife as well. And then a couple years later came out and married 
a gentleman and he was talking about what it's like to come out in his community and how we can support this community. And like, it was actually a really fantastic interview, but that was, it was the moment that I found out that he had come out. It was definitely a shock. Right. But at the same time, yeah, thank goodness it had been, you know, 13 and a half years later, because in that moment it was more a holy crap. Like what, what was he going through? And what must that have been like for him to face me every day and be telling a lie? Like, I can't imagine, and not in a like, wow, you jerk kind of way, but like how challenging and how painful that must have been for him to have to hide that piece of himself. I just, I just find your compassion so compelling. There are very few people I think who would have that level of compassion. And I'm so grateful for folks like you who actually have that compassion and that understanding for others. Like, even though it's hard for you, like you're thinking about what he must've been going through. Well, and I, what he did was not okay, right? Like what, how he lied to me, how he betrayed me, what he did was not okay, but context sure matters. And it provided some of the why, right? The the right. why he left, the why he, like, he's never told me any of that, but. And why he could, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but psychologically, if this is weighing on him and he has a condition that is affected by his stress or his mental health, then, like, it's an that interesting all, case. It all plays together. It's very, very right. sad. In regard to Munchausen's and kind of where it manifests or how it manifests, it's, Obviously different for everyone, but I sometimes have wondered if there was a factor in just his his upbringing and how, from what he has shared, just kind of how difficult it would be to be in the type of environment that he was in, you know, very Christian situation and knowing from a young age that he was not able to be true to himself and knowing I like he shared in videos since that he knew he was gay from a young age but he hadn't accepted it until adulthood I don't know how that works because I've never experienced that but I can't but it must be yes a wild internal struggle absolutely like to know something yeah. but not accept it like there's obviously some significant dissonance that has to happen. Sometimes I forget that <laughs> I'm bi. I was in den like <laughs> denial. Like for me, it wasn't so much that I was like wrestling with it every day. I was just like, man, we don't have to think about that. Yeah. And like, then those things come up physically. Right. And that's where I don't know that whole part of his journey and what all that looked like. And yeah. everyone, I have yeah. so much empathy for what that must be like that I, I can't comprehend. I've never struggled or had the challenge my identity. And so I do wish nothing but the best for him. I hope he can get the help that he needs. He is a good person. He's just got a lot of stuff that's not This is tracking. so heartbreaking. And that's part of why I really wanted to share my story is because like, is he a dogfish? Yeah, in a couple different ways. But he's not a jerk. And he's not a yeah. horrible human. And, you know, does it mean that he's perfect? No, he's still daily telling lies to people. I think we can hold both truths. We can carry that empathy while also recognizing that the behaviors yes. were harmful. Absolutely. And I don't think in his mind, I don't think he thinks he's lying. Even to this day, I don't think he thinks he's lying. And 
And so I think it's important to bring light to just yet another area of dogfishing that isn't malicious. Another breed of dogfish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it isn't but a malicious. But it's interesting that you acknowledge, like, he wasn't a jerk, like, he, but he, like. He tried. Was, he was in pain. Yeah. Literally and emotionally. Lauren. That's a wild ride. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Yep. And, you know, I, I feel really bad for the life that he has had to live and the things that he has had to go through. And I am grateful that he did leave. And I know that sounds crazy, but like he wasn't who I thought he was and he wasn't ever going to be, and I don't say this in a rude way, but like he would never be the partner that I deserved. And because he You're couldn't even be right. That's the okay person that he deserved that he to be really for himself. Was. Yeah. And I did reach out to him after I found out. I messaged him on Facebook and I was like, hey, David, first ex-wife here. So <laughs> I have some questions because I just found out that you're gay. And that's new. So <laughs> surprise. Can we so, talk about this, please? You know, can we chat? And so he was in town. And so we sat down for dinner and it was mostly oh, wow. It was mostly him telling me all of his things that he had experienced and gone through. And I never did get to ask him the questions that I had. Like I never did get to ask him, like, how can you go in such a public setting and continue to deceive and lie to people and get their money and you know, like, did I, he speak to the Munchausens at all? No, yeah, did he, he won't say anything about that. He won't talk about that. He'll talk about his health and how he doesn't know why he's still sick and he doesn't know why he has all these things that are happening to him and he doesn't know. It's still very much the same denial as before. Mm -hmm. But even though I didn't get my questions answered and I didn't get that, you know, closure, so to speak, it was still. It was still enough to see that he hadn't changed in nearly 14 years. He still hadn't changed. He was still the same person. Like he still was all about him. It was still all about his health. It was still all about what was going on with him. It was never about, well, what questions do you have? I can see why you might be confused right now or any of that. And so it was more one of those moments where to see that he is exactly the same person he was when he left me and I was not at all the same person that I was when he left me. Like that was the closure that I think that I needed. Girl, I mean, sister, yes. That is that's, so true. And that's where for me, I just need to be able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and be proud of the person I am and the person that I've become. And I feel like I have been placed in so many people's lives since this happened to me who have gone through similar experiences. No one that has a spouse that supposedly has <laughs> Munchausen's that was also gay. Yeah, um, that's pretty specific. <laughs> but definitely people going through very specific marital problems or like a mm -hmm. failed marriage or just feeling alone or feeling like their whole world was completely just blown into a thousand pieces and not knowing that who to talk to or what to do. This experience has just made me realize that life is really hard. Like it is really hard and we're not meant to yes. go through <sighs> it alone. 
and being able to be there by their side and hold their hand because I didn't have anyone who'd been through something like this before. I was the first one of everybody but that now I they knew. do. And I bet they're so grateful mm. for it too. And and that's made it worth it. Like I am so grateful that he left because I never would have. I am the most loyal human on the planet and I would have never left. And so I'm grateful that he left because he gave me a second chance at life. Oh, can we get a little... So it's been a while. Yes. This is 2006, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2019, you check in with him. How Who's are your new you man, doing? Girl? Who's yeah, your new man? Yeah, what's going on in your <laughs> life? If you want to share, whatever you're comfortable sharing. No, there, there is no current man. I No need. Nope. I have, I've actually learned that my personality tends to attract men that are dog fishy. <laughs> girl, <laughs> preach. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I've I've been through a few different things, but for the most part, it really is I have just kind of focused on me and good for you. Um, bettering my life, becoming the best version of myself. And if the right person comes along, then great. Like I'm still putting myself out there, but I'm not I'm not worried about it. And yeah, really just uh, focusing on the relationships in my life that I do have with my family and friends and those that are, you know, my ride or dies and an amazing job that I love. And I just, I feel very supported in my life and I'm very grateful. Like I have a very blessed life for sure. And I actually, I turned 40 tomorrow which is oh my god happy birthday that's what you're gonna say about birthdays happy early birthday (laughs) thank you but yeah no I am I am doing very well I love my life I I hope that one day I find a life partner but if I don't then I want to enjoy the life that I've built for myself Thank you so much for telling your story that is I'm just so blown away by so strong yeah well and like, I'm obsessed with this Munchausen thing. Like, I need to know so much. Like, do I have Munchausen syndrome? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I need to know all the symptoms. And so, like, when I was on the Google machine, I was looking it up and it said, Are you a clues? WebMD person, Mackenzie? Are uh, you like yeah. somebody that goes and looks at WebMD I have, for a cold yeah, and you're I've, like, Oh, I'm dying? I have brain cancer. It's fine. So, this oh, is no. clues to Munchausen syndrome having symptoms that do not match test results, having symptoms that get worse for no apparent reason, having very good medical knowledge, receiving few or no hospital visitors. Many people with Munchausen syndrome have a solitary lifestyle and have little contact with friends or family because they know that you got Munchausen syndrome, probably. Wow. And Interesting. That's, that's why his family was not around much is because this is this is just same old same old oh it's another tuesday wow that is so sad well yeah and also unpredictable i had no idea where the story was going as i'm sure you did not either when you were living it no so not at all you've and wow been thrown a crazy hand yeah just the compassion i hope that this helps people and i hope if nothing else that people can know that like give it enough time and enough healing and you may not see that person the same. You may not feel like they ruined your entire life. You may feel like they actually gave you a second chance at it. That's a really good point. Oh my gosh. Just take some time to, to get out know. from under it, you know? <laughs> oh gosh, what Thank a breath of fresh air that. you are. Thank you so much for sharing the Thank channel. you, Lauren. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all letting me come on and share my story. 
Well, that was a wild ride, yeah? I mean, how's everybody <laughs> doing? <laughs> I wonder who's going, I knew it! I freaking knew it! <laughs> we definitely had a lot of people throw Munchausen's around in the theory. The coming out as gay on his radio show part. <laughs> what? Like who? No one saw that. Like that was that was wild to me, though. Like even to me, I was like, I've seen a lot. And that's like a lot. It was it just out of nowhere. Such a layer, a new layer to the whole story going back and thinking about it from knowing that as well. I mean, it, yeah, there yeah, is some element sure. absolutely sympathetic to his you know, all of the issues, but also mm-hmm. what it, he put everyone through and might continue to put people through is devastating. So we've actually, if this, so since, as far as we know, since from as, as recently as 2021, we know that this guy is still Munchausening, doing the Munchausening thing. Munchausening. Like there was a GoFundMe. Yeah, there was a GoFundMe um, set up like to help. Can like, you even like, uh, I just, so let's get into it because we obviously had to do some research because all I knew about Munchausen's was from that Munchausen's by proxy story, the Gypsy Rose case that- Yeah, that was a crazy about. story, yeah. So we want to go into what it is and talk about all kinds of stuff about it. So let's do it. But I want to, I just want to make it clear for our listeners, Hannah and I are not medical doctors. We do not know. Like we did, nope. it's not something we studied. This is just some information that we found from reputable sources. We did talk to a medical professional to get information about it. Also, our information about the case we're talking about in the story, you know, HIPAA is a thing. So we don't have his medical records, but from the story, we know that from his family and obviously her account, he's diagnosed with Munchausen. So we're going with that. It's also known as factitious disorder. It's a rare type of mental disorder in which a person fakes illness. The person may lie about symptoms, make themselves appear sick, or make themselves purposefully unwell. There's Munchausen's by proxy, which is the disorder that people might be more familiar with. That's when people try to make someone else sick so that they are the one being a caretaker for them. But this is just Munchausen's where he made himself sick. Because Munchausen's, it can be confused with some other disorders. So we want to talk about those and how they're different. Classes so and first, So first of all, let's talk about malingering. Okay, so have you guys seen Ferris Bueller where he like he pretends to be sick at the beginning of the movie? If you ever called in sick, that's malingering. Like you're just saying that you're sick. You're not really sick. You know you're not really sick. You're just kind of saying that. Oh, that's- we have all been malingerers. <laughs> It's a funny word, I have right? at least. So that's kind of that's kind of malingering like we're we're just we're using it as an excuse to get out of, you know, whatever it is. That's malingering. So the difference between that and Munchausen's is that malingering has a very specific goal, just like getting out of school, the army, trying to get money, maybe out of getting people, money, yeah. If yeah, like, yeah. that's a lot of cases. You're on a lot of malingering cases. Yes. As a PI. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> And but, so people with Munchausen's, yeah. they're trying to, so they're basically, they're just trying to get something out of being sick, but it's, it, it's usually something more abstract, like sympathy or attention. And they aren't necessarily fully aware of what they're trying to get out of the situation. Like they know they aren't sick, but they don't have full control over what they're doing. 
Something that made it clear for me is like, so they know they're not sick, but they don't have full control. And anyone who's ever dealt with any kind of mental health disorder, eating disorder, like there is an awareness that what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. And yet you don't have control. And I think looking at it from that perspective makes it a little bit easier to understand Mm -hmm. how people with Munchausen's have to operate. It's a disorder. It's a disease. And it's sad. I think it's good to address that there is malingering because a lot of us are like, oh my God, I've faked sick. Am I? Do I have have Munchausen? So the other other disorders are conversion disorders, delusional disorders, somatic symptom disorders. So they're all very different conditions from each other. But in all of those, the patient really believes something is wrong with them and they feel actual symptoms for diseases that they do not have. Ugh, I can't. Crazy, right? Like, I just can't. Munchausen's is, so it's it's really difficult to diagnose, if, as you can imagine, like, you know, because how do you prove this stuff? So the symptoms most often used by people with Munchausen's are like chest pains, abdominal pain, fainting, skin wounds that don't heal, vomiting, weakness. So those are things that are like hard to prove and they could point to a lot of different underlying problems. And when doctors start doing all the tests, they 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 probably won't find anything. So then they start digging until they do. In this case, like you can't tell someone that they did not faint. You can't tell someone that they do not have a headache. These are symptoms that are hard to prove in any capacity. And then, yeah, so doctors start doing all the tests, try to find something that's wrong. The In this case, it's a great example because his symptoms never fit exactly with what the diagnosis was. So like if a doctor digs hard enough and you keep saying, I have splitting pain in the back of my head, like they're not going to just be like, I didn't find anything. Like, but you know what I mean? Like they're gonna they're gonna find a deviated septum and be like, you. I guess that's it. Like there's nothing else wrong. Deviated. They'll septum, try I something, guess. right? But a deviated <laughs> septum doesn't make your heart stop. You know, like they didn't but quite match, still, which is I think why the psychiatrist flags. raised an eyebrow and suggested no, not psychiatrist. I'm sorry. Why that doctor suggested a psychiatrist? Yes, but yeah, yeah total, so th- he saw red flags. Sometimes, like if you think about it, people with Munchausen's are still humans, so they do actually, really, actually, legitimately get sick sometimes. So then it's like, you know, crying wolf. It's like, are you really sick this time, or is this another thing where you're just? And so that I can imagine is another hard thing to deal with with someone with Munchausen's. And then like, how do you know? It's 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 it seems so intense. Like this was a lot that she went through. I'm just I'm so grateful that she shared this story with us because there's probably a lot of people out there going through this and don't even realize it. Dogfish. So I think hiding first, hiding the debt is so the debt thing. That's totally dogfish material. Like you're so you're lying. Like that's that's definitely dogfish. Like you're, you know, that's red flag. Like a hundred percent. And any really like that is a complete dogfish red flag. And then it, he dogfished himself. He dogfished himself. I mean, I'm curious how people on a scale of one to dogfish. Where would you all place this? Because. I think there are absolutely dogfishy elements, but he also had a disease. But his family also dogfished her by not telling her not what telling they knew her. about his diagnosis. Yeah. That broke my That's heart. Dogfish. <laughs> and so dogfishy. So he had a dogfish family. But yeah, I'm curious how people would classify this because it's definitely a different type of dogfish than what we've had. Yeah. If you guys have experienced anything like this, 
can you share it with us? Because I would love to know more. If you yourself have experienced like Munchausen's and you have something that you would like to add as far as like knowledge or education about it, because obviously this is just stuff that we've found out through our research. But if you have, you know, firsthand experience, we would love to hear from you. And if you're, you know, willing to share that, but we just, I just, it's just so interesting. It's just another, another type of dogfish. It's so interesting. You can email us your stories and don't forget we have a new email address. So make sure that you are using our new email address. It's kind of the same, but it's different because the other <laughs> it's, it's just use this new email address. It's investigate at the dating detectives podcast.com. Slay. And we're on all the <laughs> socials at dating detectives podcast. And we have a website, the dating detective podcast.com. And I just made an Amazon storefront. If you guys want to go shop for fun safety gadgets, or if you want to start a podcast and see what we're using, or if you want to buy the cute little pink trench coats that we wore in our pictures, you should go to our Instagram bio. It's all there. Yeah, so smart. That would be fun. You guys will have fun there. Thank you guys so much for, for listening. Share this with someone that you think might be interested in this story or any of the episodes. And just, we, we really we appreciate, appreciate your you. support. Thank you so much, you guys. As per usual, you guys, trust your intuition. Bye. Bye. Bye.